The Start On Demand. On demand. It's been three days since the announcement Winnipeg is moving to level red, and as of this morning, not a peep out of the Premier, who is speaking today. We learned that late in our show today. But his silence over the weekend begged the question, where are you? Where is our leadership? As restaurants have to once again close their dining rooms, we'll speak to the owner of Fusion Grill to find out, can you even survive this? We've got a new weekly Monday feature. Bob Irving will join us every Monday at 8.35. And today, he revealed he thinks he's got what it takes to be a world champion. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Monday, November 2nd podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Good morning, guys. And just, I have a song in my head. I want to share it. I want to get it off my chest because there is a point here. Just follow the bouncing ball with me. Just roll with me for 10 seconds, okay? This is the song. All right, so you remember that? Does that ring any bells? Well, that song contains a question which I will answer. Where in the world is Premier Brian Pallister? Loren! Yeah, I think that's the question many of us are asking over the past 72 hours. Brett, first we had a record case count Friday. Then we had those the announcement that restrictions are coming in today. Level red for Winnipeg, level orange for the rest of Manitoba. We had a record number of deaths on Sunday, yesterday, and not a word from our premier. And so I think we need to ask that question this morning. Where are you and what are you going to do for us? Well, when you talk about the terminology or use the terminology, the silence is deafening. I I think this absolutely applies in this situation. Uh, Some citizens took matters into their own hands on Saturday evening on Halloween and uh, erected an impromptu Halloween display on the Wellington Crescent Boulevard in front of Premier Pallister's home. Some people thinking that that was absolutely brilliant. Others not so sure about this. But I think when you realize... Here's that word again, and I apologize. We're in unprecedented times. I think it's fairly unprecedented in the in the minds of many Manitobans that we've yet to hear from our premier in what is the worst point of this pandemic in multiples, let alone just in terms of sort of or just edging out some numbers in multiples of numbers. We have never seen what we're seeing over these last four or five days over the last eight months. I don't know about you, Brett. When uh, I was watching the news conference Friday at 1230 and sitting on the living room couch, and we get a little bit of an advance warning in the news release that comes down, and I was trying to read it out loud, um, and I teared up talking, and and I felt sick to my stomach. And I'm a person who still has my job, and my kids are still healthy, and the people in my family are still healthy. I don't work in the hospital system. I don't work on the front lines. I'm not scrambling every day uh, in, in, the, in the role that I'm in thinking what's coming next. I don't run a business. And I felt sick to my stomach thinking about all the families who are now not going to be seeing their loved ones because of these restrictions, thinking about the people that are dying, thinking about our healthcare workers who are struggling, thinking about our small business community who's probably just throwing their hands up in the air. And if they weren't crying Friday, I don't know what, all these mixed emotions and I'm okay. And so I can't imagine what it would be like to be somebody who isn't okay right now and still hasn't had a single elected official speak to them. So at 637, Loren has a message for our premier. At 707, we're going to speak to Scott McTaggart, who is owner of Fusion Grill, uh, whom we've spoken with before about the challenges the restaurant industry has faced over the last several months. And now once again, restaurants have to close their doors for dine-in, but takeout is still an option. At 8 o'clock, we're going to speak to a doctor, an infectious disease specialist and cancer care doctor, and ask the question, have the new restrictions gone far enough. Also worth pointing out, Loren, that uh, you did uh, work on this quite extensively yesterday, trying to bring the Premier on to our show this morning, a request which was inevitably, and very late in the evening yesterday, declined. 
Yeah, the the ask went out around 9 a.m. Uh, and then there was a couple follow-up emails going back and forth in terms of what we were going to talk about and, and those kinds of things. And then, of course, 9 p.m. while I'm sleeping, the reply came back that he was not available for our show. And I'm, I'm not surprised in many ways. I have no doubt that he's going to speak at some point today or one of, you know, the health minister or somebody is going to. Someone has to. And so him not coming on our show is neither here nor there for me. He doesn't want to come on with us. Mm-hmm. I get that. Schedule might not allow. I'm not going to make have any beef about that. Uh, but we did try because in all fairness, you know, maybe he was away. Maybe he's not well. Maybe something is going on that we don't know about and, and we want to give him an opportunity to speak. That's what we do. Yeah, well, leadership uh, dictates that you speak, that you come forward and that you share your point of view. You may not have the answers. You may be as flabbergasted as Loren was. You may be as emotional as Loren just was with regard to what's going through your mind. But when you are a leader, you come forward, you try and present calm, some reasonability, some inspiration, a huddle, a hug, something virtually to inspire the people who have elected you. You put up your hand years ago and said, I'm a leader. I'm someone that can handle a crisis. You're saying now that for three days... We haven't been worthy of your words, of your inspiration, something you told us you were up to when we elected you as Premier, not once, but twice. Question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. It's been three days since Winnipeg was moved to level red. Are you disappointed? The Premier and Health Minister have not yet directly addressed Manitobans. So you can cast your vote at cjob.com. And by the way, Friday's question, what are your plans for Halloween this weekend? 38% said stay in and watch spooky movies. This made me laugh. Coming in at second place at 31%. Eat discounted candy alone. That's just kind of sad. 25% hand out candy and 6% start new traditions with the kids. And I'll just, I don't know how it was for you guys, but everywhere I looked on social media, I saw post after post. We got like two kids used to Mm. 200. Didn't have any, but we also kept our lights off because we didn't have anything to hand out. But my oldest said proudly yesterday that was the best halloween he had ever had mm-hmm. like we had a heck of a day saturday i scared the bejesus out of them <laughs> at least four times and then the first time i did it they were they jumped and were not liking it and then kept asking if they could be jump scared really <laughs> some more so i had to come up with all these different things at 8 p.m i've got the husband in the backyard laying in a flower bed so we can take <laughs> them outside have, they were loving it so we had a great day i mean i know it wasn't the same for sure greg but fun was had i think by many families Well, I think uh, Mother Nature helped out a tiny bit as well. It was certainly not very pleasant on Saturday. So it might have taken uh, the the wind out of, (laughs) maybe this is a wrong terminology, the wind out of the trick-or-treating sales uh, to begin with. But uh, I didn't see anyone on my front street, although some of my neighbors did have their lights on. I I saw not a single trick-or-treater on Saturday night. By the way, my Monday got off to a pretty brutal start, so I'm hoping that it levels off here. So the first thing I did is I poured myself a glass of chocolate milk, and then there was like a little sip left in the jug, so I just took that, that swig and swallowed it and then realized, nope, this milk is sour. So that was gross. And I dumped that down the sink. And then uh, when my cab pulled up here, he got me here in record time. I was super happy. But then his debit machine conked out and he had to reboot it. (laughs) So I sat in the cab for like five minutes. Hey, maybe that's why the rule about not drinking out of the carton exists. (laughs) It has nothing to do with manners. It has to do with the fact that if the milk is sour, you wouldn't see the lumps. Yeah, it 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 wasn't lumpy sour. It was just like, ooh, that's... uh... And then I looked at the expiry date or the best before date and saw October 27 and thought, what am I doing? It is November 2nd. Also, by the way, I need to find a poppy. So if you know where I can get one, 204-780-6868. I have not yet seen any while I've been out and about, but maybe I just haven't been looking hard enough. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us on this Monday morning. And it is indeed a weird Monday, to say the least, because every single Manitoban is waking up to new restrictions this morning. Winnipeg and the entire metropolitan region have moved to level red, while the rest of Manitoba is now at level orange. 
Under Level Red, all bars and restaurants are closed with the exception of takeout and delivery. Most retail is reduced to 25% of capacity. Gyms and fitness centers have also cut their capacity while all sports and recreation programs have been suspended. Movie theaters and concert halls will be closed while faith-based gatherings are reduced to 15% of capacity or 100 people, whichever is lower. Dr. Brent Rusin is also asking that we cut back on socializing. Stay home as much as possible. Uh, when going out for essential reasons, uh, try to limit the number of family members that uh, are attendants, preferably just one if possible. Limit your social activity outside your household. Stay home when you're ill. This is a massive change for all of us. After 7.07, we're going to speak to the owner of Fusion Grill and ask if they can survive another round of restrictions. And then at 8.07, we'll talk to an infectious disease specialist to find out if he thinks the restrictions go far enough. Because whether you like it or not, we are now walking into uncharted territory. Yes, Manitoba, we've been through these types of restrictions before, but not with these case counts or deaths, which I think is perhaps why Dr. Brent Rusin and Lynette Siragusa spent almost 90 minutes answering questions Friday. 90 minutes explaining why this is happening and what we can do to help. And I think most of us can agree we needed to hear from them first. They're the medical experts. We need their guidance. But our question for you this morning is how come we didn't later hear from our premier, from our health minister, or even the finance minister on any future aid packages that could be coming our way? I went back and took a look at this. When COVID first landed in Manitoba, our elected officials were regularly stepping in front of the cameras to tell us how they were going to help. In the past seven and a half months, there have been 65, at least 65, pandemic-related announcements from our politicians alone. Not just the announcements from Dr. Roos, and these are just with our elected officials. About 45 of those pandemic announcements featured Premier Brian Palster. In the early days, he offered support for businesses. And then later, he offered support and even tears for our seniors. And personally, I appreciated seeing that side of him. But a reminder, that came before many of our elderly were even dying. There were announcements on PPE supplies, programs to help people struggling with their mental health, announcements on changes to testing criteria. And when our case counts continued to stay low, there were then announcements on our reopening plan, our job numbers, back-to-work strategies and subsidies. Manitoba was a shining example to other jurisdictions on how to beat COVID. But then the numbers started to climb again, and the tone changed, and the messaging, I think we can agree by most accounts, grew increasingly confusing. Now, I'm not going to sit here and suggest our politicians went into hiding because in the past few weeks, there have also been improvements made to our testing facilities after weeks of long lineups and even longer waits for results. The flu campaign was launched and stiffer fines were announced for anyone defying COVID restrictions. But even as the Premier was talking tough just last week, urging Manitobans to wake up and get with the program, questions were raised over how they would enforce stiffer penalties and whether we were truly prepared for the second wave. And then, of course, guys, on Friday, we learned Manitoba had, Manitoba had broken another record. 400 case, 80 cases, and a move back to springtime-like restrictions. And what did we hear from our elected officials on this day with 480 cases? Nothing. The Premier issued a four-paragraph statement, and that's it. Save a few tweets, not a word from him, nothing from our health minister, from any other MLA. Now, you can grab any saying you want here. You know, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. You could talk about the measure of a man and how it's not where they stand in moments of convenience, but where they stand at times of challenge and controversy. But because our premier is so often, and I, I don't mind this about him, because he's so often drawing on sports analogies, I want to ask him this. Who are you on this team? Are you our general manager, our coach, the quarterback? Are you drawing up the plays or executing them? Are you even just a fan cheering Team Manitoba on to better days ahead? Because that's an important role too. Yesterday, we learned six more Manitobans died from COVID. That's a new daily death record. Lives are being lost with these restrictions. Livelihoods will be lost. People need strong leadership now more than ever. They need help and hope. And whether you're the GM or the captain or the cheerleader, they need you to make some noise. And guys, I hope we hear something today. Boy, I don't know what I could add to that, Loren. I guess the only thing that I might do is um, continue with the sports analogy. I mean, sports is a big deal in these parts. And our Premier, as you mentioned, loves the sports analogies. 
And, uh, you know, what does leadership in our community look like? And I can boil it down to hockey, Winnipeg Jets. Captain Blake Wheeler faces the media after every single game. The media being the conduit, connecting the fans with the players. So I think Blake Wheeler understands that. The only time, quite frankly, you're unlikely to not hear from Blake Wheeler is when the team wins. When the Jets lose, he stands there, takes the lumps on behalf of his teammates. He knows that fans, the people that pay his salary, have questions and want answers to what the hell happened on the ice tonight. Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea comes on our air here on CJOB every single Monday from June to November. For five years he's done it, not only facing criticism on what he did the previous week, but up until last November, he answered for 29 years of ineptitude of his employer. Mm-hmm. The fortunes of a franchise he had nothing to do with until 2014. Win or lose, he's in the studio. He's taking questions not just from Bob Irving, not just from the quote-unquote media, but from the fans one-on-one. So if you want to go down the road of sports analogies and leadership, those are the two that I would hold up in our community. And I think They're pretty strong examples of what it means to stand up before the people when they have questions. And this is about sport. Yeah, I I don't think anyone wants to sit here and point a finger and blame anyone right now. No. Personally, that's not what I'm I'm aiming to do, right? I don't think that's what you're doing. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is when things get bad, you still have to come out and speak. And I'm not sure what went on Friday, Saturday, or yesterday that any of our elected officials in this province would think now was the time not to talk. Did you think that was because you become the face of this? No, I don't think so. You had no problem being the face of this six months ago, five months ago, four months ago. So be the face of it now and be the strong face of leadership. That's all we're asking for this morning. And when it's doctors and nurses that have to be the leaders on this, that are putting their jobs at risk or have to take even 10 minutes, either out of their free time or time when they should be sleeping or spending time with their families to sound the alarm bells, to conduct interviews with the media, to tell us how bad it is, that's when you know you've gone far too far and that you were mired in a situation that quite frankly, is is beyond the pale. We have never been here before. And, you know, Brian Bowman, for all the disagreements that I've had with Brian Bowman over the years, we're often on the opposite side of things. He comes on our program every month. He interacts with us. You can argue about the way he answers or doesn't answer questions, but he's here. He takes the criticism He answers the questions, once again, perhaps in his own style and doesn't necessarily answer all the questions. But on Friday, he sent out a message. He got before the people and said, I'm with you. I understand where you're at. Let's be strong. Let's get together on this. We can do it. Sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes that's simply good enough. Nobody's expecting Brian Pallister to come out and say, on December 1st, we will have zero cases no. of COVID-19 in Manitoba. Nobody is expecting that. Nobody's expecting him to lay out, out a plan in terms of how we're going to get there. We just need the sense that he's with us on this. Question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. It's been three days since it was announced Winnipeg was going to level red. Are you disappointed the Premier has not yet spoken to Manitobans? Cast your vote at cjob.com. Also a reminder, in case you're just tuning in, uh, we did invite the Premier to join us this morning. We were eventually declined by his office late last night, uh, just simply was not available to speak to us this morning. So we are hoping that the Premier will address Manitobans at some point today. Up next, since we're talking about leadership, we want to talk about your favorite leaders. Who is your favorite leader? Do you have a favorite leader? Be it in politics, maybe it's in sport, maybe it's an old teacher, or like an old scout leader or something, or maybe... You just don't even, you're like me. Maybe the real world isn't your friend, but cartoons are. Maybe you got a real uh, leader from a cartoon or a movie, comic book, whatever. Text us, 204-780-6868. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we want to talk about leadership, continue the conversation on leadership, and specifically ask you, who is 
your favorite leader? Do you have one? Whether it's politics or sports or, I don't know, an old teacher, something from fiction, let us know at 204-780-6868. We're going to give away a Santa Lucia pizza uh, just after 9.15. Based on your text messages, you know the drill. The more detailed, better the story, the better chance you have at scoring that pizza. So let's go around the horn here. We're joined by Sky Neller in for Jeff Fortier. Why don't we start with you? Really? Do you want to chime in? <laughs> okay. Um, well, I was thinking that I've been sort of forced to get into Napoleon lately. What? And I'm not into it. I tried to watch like a five-minute YouTube video, like summarizing his life and battle. It was too many dates and too many maps, and I just can't get you into like it. like the real Napoleon? Yeah. I was thinking Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm all the way in. I'm all the way in for Dynamite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not there yet for Bonaparte. Okay. Wow. Look at that. But so, I'm not into it, so we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, Kelly, uh, Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Braun is here, too. Jeff Braun, how about you? Do we have Jeff Braun? No? He's not there? Okay. Kelly Moore, how about you? Well, I'm going to go with a couple of sports people. Um, Mike Keene is uh, one of my all-time favorite leaders. Uh, I had the chance to watch his leadership abilities up close during my final year as a play-by-play broadcaster with the Moose in uh, 05, 06. And my other favorite all-time leader is Haley Wickenheiser. I will never, ever forget her stirring speech from Salt Lake City when she talked about the Americans uh, walking across the Canadian flag in their dressing room. Now, I don't know if that was true or not, but it didn't matter because at the moment uh, when she, after they'd won the gold medal and the speech she gave to TV is something I will never, ever forget. That was great. That was great. Do we know if that ever really happened, Kelly? You, you know what? I don't. <laughs> I think maybe Haley might have been given a little bit of misinformation. But like I said, Greg, it didn't matter. No. I, and I remember I was sitting in a sports bar in Hamilton. We were on the road uh, with the Manitoba Moose. And the whole bar just went quiet when she started talking. It was, And then the cheers that went up after she... <laughs> After she gave her speech, I I should try to find that, I guess, one day and replay that. It it was just, it was unreal. Let's call it artistic license. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, I just got a text from Jeff Braun saying, hey, what's the password to get on here? (laughs) 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 Open sesame, Jeff. I I don't remember. uh, Tell him to try Brian Pallister. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll have to go bug Engineer Mike for that. But uh, Loren McNabb, what about you? Well, at the risk of sounding super cheesy, I'm going to say my mother. Uh, She raised four kids. She worked on the farm with my dad for years. She helped run the family business. Then she went back to school and got her master's degree. And all that time always said to us really and well and truly, you can be anything you want to be. Go for it. And uh, I think there was a no quit attitude in her that was passed on to the rest of us. And to this day, uh, if I can, if she'll answer, I'll talk to her every day. Sometimes I think she screens my calls. Too much advice being asked from mom. But she's wonderful. She's been a great leader. That's, that's someone who I look up to and I hope someday... Um, to be the same kind of person to my kids or work to be that way. And then on the non-cheesy side, the cheesiest of quotes, Sky. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! Okay. William Wallace, you get cuts to the core of me every time. <laughs> it's a classic speech. G-Mac, what about you? Well, you know, sports is my thing, and we just lost uh, one of the greatest uh, Winnipeg Jets of all time, and Dale Howard Chuck, for me, just because of the age I was when he came to Winnipeg, he was only about six, seven years older than I was, but he came to Winnipeg as an 18-year-old, zero pretension, never acted like he was better than any one of us, would play on the Blue, on the Blue Bombers, on the Jets softball team's He'd be out in the community all summer long, made his home here, married a Winnipeg gal, had a cottage here. And even after he left the Jets for Buffalo, spoke glowingly of his time here. There was never any sense that uh, he felt as though uh, Winnipeg was beneath him in any way, shape, or form. He was probably the second greatest hockey player of his generation, of his era. Never got the recognition that he deserved. And he sort of sold it to me and brought it all together and brought it home when we spoke 
with him in April following the completion of his cancer treatments. And it wasn't just a, about him. It was truly about the perspective he had gained uh, through his journey with cancer, talking about COVID-19, even got a little political and thought about what Canada might do in terms of its own food supply. And I'd never, ever heard Dale speak that way. And it just really was a bow on something that I'd always believed that he was a, a true leader in the community, as quiet as he was and diligent and just sort of non-imposing, it was pure Dale Howarchuk. So for me, he is the uh, epitome of a a leader and uh, miss him very much already. Jeff Braun joins us now on the phone because he was excited to get on for this one. Jeff, who you got? I've got, uh, I think, the best leader, our news manager, Heather Steele. She's strong, (laughs) smart, decisive, and fair. She's Give it up. That's even leader. cheesier than McNabb. <laughs> and you finish. know she's listening right now. Go yeah. ahead. She's also kind and caring. By all accounts, she's a wonderful wife and mother. Heather is everything you can aspire to as a citizen. And I look forward to my performance evaluation meeting with her later this week. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it! <laughs> Oh. Yes! boy, Jeff Braun. That was no worth... No wonder he was blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on a Monday. Thank you very much for joining us as Winnipeg has now entered level red. And in our previous half hour, if you missed it, Loren had a powerful message for Manitoba's Premier. You can find it in the audio vault at cjob.com just after 6.37. And reaction pouring in on our text line, 204-780-6868, including one Greg from Diana. Diana says, this does not surprise me with Pallister. He's a turtle who comes out only when it's to his benefit. A couple of times I've emailed him without even the courtesy of a form email reply. It reinforces not ever having voted in a manner that might support him indirectly and now never will. Come out of your shell. Don't be a coward. Show us why you are a leader of this promise, Diana says. Get a spine. Yeah, and on the other side of the equation, we've had uh, listeners text in. Al mentioned to us, Greg, that he uh, thought that the that the Palser has been doing a good job. That he came out last week and talked tough and told people to you know wake up and and start doing the right thing. And so I guess depending on where you're sitting, you either are hearing what you want from him or you're not. And then another listener saying, the three of you sound like left-wing motivated propaganda. Disgusting behavior. So you can let us know. Weigh in, 204-780-6868. Coming up after Global News at 8 o'clock, we're going to speak to an infectious disease specialist and a cancer care doctor on whether or not the new restrictions have gone far enough. Also, keep texting us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win some Santa Lucia pizza because we're asking you who are... your favorite leaders are, whether they are from real life, like Loren gave a really poignant and personal example, which was... My mom, mommy. I haven't called her that in years. Don't know why that just came out. <laughs> and uh, also, who was your fictitious leader? <laughs> William Wallace. Because of Braveheart, I haven't really gone down the road of finding out how many historical inaccuracies are in that film, but great speeches. The guy gave some good speeches. And I didn't share mine, by the way, and uh, listener Kristen admonished. By the way, Sky, can you keep trying to reach our guest? Uh, Because I'm texting him right now to say that we can't reach him, Uh, so just keep trying. Uh, But Kristen admonished me (laughs) that she's going to have a song stuck in her head all day because of this. Megatron must be stopped. No matter the cost. (laughs) Optimus Prime from the Transformers. (laughs) And this song from Transformers, the movie, the cartoon. Uh, Oh, you know what? Okay, I need to run into the control room for a second. So guys, uh, can you just, as we like to say, rag the puck for a minute because I need to give a phone number to our producer, Sky, so we can get Scott on the line here. Yeah, Yeah, we can do that. We've got many questions, right, Greg, for restaurant owners. We know they're probably one of the hardest hits over the past seven months. It was just a few days ago that we spoke to the Restaurant Association, Greg, about what 
they were calling bleak times that, you know, many, I think it was 12% already hadn't made it through the past six and a half, seven months, and it was going to be even worse uh, going forward. So there's business questions, there's mental yeah. health questions this morning, and, and then, of course, the, the state of our health care system. Well, and uh, when you talk about the restaurant industry, Sandy Doyle, she's the owner of Blondie's Burgers on Main Street. She spoke out on Facebook last night. In fact, she implored us to ask some questions on her behalf, and I want to read her her passion plea uh, later on this hour, but it was very direct and essentially saying, you know, uh, we had to close today uh, for the last time in maybe two weeks or maybe forever, depending on the situation. And uh, she talked about the community that's formed within a restaurant and uh, had some incredible insight into what business owners, restaurateurs in particular are feeling right now, Brett. Scott McTaggart, owner of Fusion Grill, joins us now live on CJOB. Scott, did you pay your cell phone bill? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know what's going on, man. It's paid. It's, it's one of the bills that are paid. There's, there's lots of uh, other bills that aren't paid. Uh, I know the hydro bill isn't paid because, you know, <laughs> they, yeah. don't need my, they don't need my lousy chump change uh, right now. They've got these... Uh, a multi-gajillion dollar projects going on. They'll still be okay. Well, Scott, uh, you're the owner of just one of the many great restaurants in this province. Back to takeout only as Winnipeg enters level red and uh, restaurants have to close their doors for dine-in. So uh, you probably saw this coming, but how did it feel when they uh, finally dropped the hammer? Uh, it, it choked me up. I mean, it, we know it was coming. I mean, it, we felt uh, strongly that that was, you know, those are the indicators that we're hearing. Uh, for sure, but I mean, what really choked me up was my my patrons and my guests. Uh, t- all since the since the announcement, saying to us, why uh, why are they doing this to you? Uh, not me personally, but me as an individual working in the industry. We're we've been uh, following the rules. We have not had any cases. There's no data that we've asked for data that indicates that restaurants are responsible for outbreaks. The government can't provide it. Why? because it doesn't exist and and when our 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 you know business people that uh, that come to the restaurant and we're we're chatting with them uh, on the weekend the Halloween weekend and when they're the ones saying it um, themselves you you know you it really does have an effect on you they're absolutely in support of the restaurant industry recognizing you know they work we're doing uh, uh, food safe uh, food service 24/7 365 days a year before covid uh, when COVID came, we stepped it up. Uh, we're doing everything that we're supposed to correctly. People are feeling clean. Uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it was really very, very touching uh, to hear this from, from our uh, guests, people calling out of the blue and saying, look, we're behind you. Scott, I know you have such a supportive clientele. I've been following your posts on Facebook over the past few months. There's been lots of ups and downs. This is a pointed and hard question, but it has to be asked. Can you survive this? Can you survive the next two weeks? You know what? Uh, absolutely, we're going to survive. We're going to survive with the support of our patrons. Uh, Winnipeggers are fantastic. Um, they're great. We, our industry has supported um, you know, various charities, people's different um, affinity groups, for a variety of different reasons, and and I know that Winnipeg is going to rise to the occasion, and they're going to support us and support our industry, and we're going to make it easy. We're going to serve you some fantastic food. We're going to give you a dining experience uh, that's going to come out of the box. Uh, I'm going uh, back to full-time deliveries <laughs> because my you know my dining room job is done uh, for a while now, anyways. So. You know, I'm going to get out there, and uh, we're going to do everything we can. Chef has already got a menu planned out specifically focused on food that will travel well, you know, that's less uh, temperature sensitive, but still really tasty and really unique and fits in with our, our, our local mandate. The other thing is, I mean, the media, I mean, uh, we're seeing things in the media that just aren't right. Uh, we've, got to, we've got to get some accurate coverage out there, you guys. You know, the, if we're going to survive this, we have to stop painting restaurants as the evil villains. There are a handful of bad operators out there that are constantly breaking the rules. They were before COVID. Uh, there's, you know, there's just people out there that don't think the rules are for them. And these are the people that need to be addressed. The third thing is that for us to survive, the government has to stop painting with such broad brushes. You know, uh, we are not bars. We are restaurants. 
Okay? Uh, we basically um, are doing everything we can to keep our staff and our patrons safe and to stay in business. This is, uh, uh, this is a reality. This is here. Restaurants Canada did a survey amongst Canadians across the board. 87% of Canadians said that restaurants are doing a great job during COVID. People feel safe in there. Why isn't that reflected uh, more so by our government and the media? Where, where is the data that shows that we're the, we're, the, uh, we're the bad guys? Scott, what time do you open today for takeout? Um, well, we're closed Sundays and Mondays. That's typical. We, okay. So we go Tuesday to Saturday. Uh, you can call anytime. I'll be here to take your order and help you with that and organize it. And then, But really, we're 4 to 10 o'clock. Tuesday to Saturday. Scott McTaggart, owner of Fusion Grill on Academy Road. Thank you so much for the time, as always, sir. Much appreciated. Take care. Thank you very much. Enjoy the day. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We just spoke to Scott McTaggart, owner of Fusion Grill, as restaurants now under level red have to close their doors for dine-in purposes. Takeout and delivery still is an option, such as the Santa Lucia pizza that will be given away just after 9.15. But, Greg, a lot of people saying, are restaurants being unfairly targeted here? And uh, you were going to ask Scott about something, but we just ran out of time. Yeah, you know, and I, I try to see both sides on this. The only thing I can see with regard to restaurants being closed down and lumped in here with regard to this complete closure, of course, aside from takeout and delivery and pickup service, is the fact that the government and health officials want to limit one point of congregation, a place where uh, traditionally you might go, Loren, with one household meeting another. And whether with the limits of of five people at a table, uh, you're still introducing or expanding your bubble to a certain extent. And I think Scott's exactly right. Any of the restaurant owners I know are doing all the things correctly, but this could be, could this be what the government and health officials are pointing to when making this decision? I'd like an answer on that. Well, one of the questions that was asked of uh, Dr. Brent Rusin on Friday was why are you not mandating uh, stay home or no socializing with people outside your household. And he more or less said it's just not realistic to enforce it. But uh, I was a little surprised at, at that stance. Are you, were you surprised that they didn't just say enough is enough, uh, no more socializing outside the house? I know they're encouraging us to not socialize, but why not just come out and say it? Don't yeah, do it. I, yeah, it's a good point, Brett. And I think you're right. There were many people that were because that got asked a couple of times in, in a couple different ways, you know, trying to figure out if people were understanding what he was saying. And back in the spring, that was more of a mandate, right? It was like, don't be socializing with people outside your home. And for whatever reason, when that, when that, when it was used in that more stern language, people didn't, right? There was just a, several months where it was just either you and your family or people living alone really had to get creative and find ways. We were doing Zoom calls with neighbors up the street and he didn't say it. And I think it's, it's, it's about that balance, first of all, about recognizing how hard that is for people to do and the idea that a, it's not really enforceable. How are you going to make that happen? But I think that's one of the questions people have when it comes to what's being said here for these restrictions is that the messaging gets muddy or it gets confusing or it allows for too much gray or interpretation. And as a result, here we are. I did think, Brett, that that's what was going to be said, that it was going to be a flat out enough is enough. Stay home. Nobody goes in your home. End of story. And perhaps that's a last resort kind of thing, too. Maybe they're hoping that they don't have to, to take it there. Um, and, and just as you pointed out there, there's so much confusion as well. Like, for example, we got a message on our uh, Instagram story from one of our listeners who is saying, who asked, why is it that my uh, why dance studios, for example, are still able to function? Is that not an activity? You can't go play soccer, but you can go to a dance class. So I suppose that could perhaps fall under fitness or training as opposed to a, a team sport where there's likely to be more contact. I don't know. And I, I'm actually not sure about that, Brett. I had understood it to be the other way that you couldn't do those classes. I guess it depends on the, is it the organized dance for kids? Or are they talking about a dance class at a gym? I, I actually don't know what the answer is there in terms of what's allowed. Yeah. So I'll, I'll ask, I'll, double check with that listener on that. And then on the restaurant front, like on Saturday, I went to, I thought once I heard that, you know, we saw that it was going level red and restaurants are going to have to close their doors again. I visited a place that's in my neighborhood, uh, the Grove, which is a place that is 
you know, home to uh, many important and cherished memories, quite frankly. And it's just a place that I like to go. Uh, you know, I'll go sit at the bar and have beer. And, you know, I had fish and chips. And uh, they, when I walked in, I was really, it's, it's been a while since I've been inside a restaurant, but uh, they said, okay, so here's the deal. It's one way this way. When you go to the washroom, it's one way in. And then they have another way out that kind of takes you out and around. And they asked me for my phone number. They asked me for my name, made me sanitize my hands. They had, they have uh, two entrances now, like they have th- th- their main entrances on the front, but they also have a door on the side. And typically that side door is just patio access mm-hmm. during the summer. But now they have dine-in customers coming through that side door oh, and, and take out on the other. So they were doing everything uh, to keep, I, I felt completely comfortable in there. And I was actually kind of happy to see how many people were showing up to support the restaurant. And I'm hopeful as well that people will continue to order takeout. I mean, one of our, one of our con- regular contributors to this radio station, Susie Parker from Sparker Strategy Group, pointed out restaurants have already put in their orders for their food and uh, they, they can't, you can't just return it. So they, a lot of food's going to go bad if it doesn't get used. So this is going to be a hard couple of weeks at least for Manitoba's restaurants. Well, Blondie's Burgers, uh, Greg shared this uh, from a Facebook post of theirs. I think they're on Maine, yep. uh, Brett. Yeah, so like 1,600 Maine or something like that, I want to say. 1,969 Maine. Close. Yeah, it's close I to mean- the park. Okay, so Blondie's Burger, they put out a post basically saying that today, this is the, they wrote this over the weekend, it would be their last day for who knows how long to go to your favorite local restaurant or coffee spot, to eat in and chat with the owner you've known for years, to talk about your families, the weather, your ailments, boyfriends, girlfriends, you name it. Perhaps for the last time where they have to close their doors forever. These restrictions have taken over an entire industry, Blondie's Burgers writes. They think about that for a minute, an entire industry, and none of our questions are answered. How many cases associated with restaurants? No answer. What percentage? No answer. Why us? No answer. Why not punish the ones who got fined and not the ones doing everything right? No answer. We are doing your contract tracing for you. Who else is? No answer. Someone answer us. We deserve an answer. A lot of us did not receive federal help. We are drowning in debt. And the Post goes on just to implore media to to ask some of these questions. And I think they're fair. There are some questions read about you know, what data do we have to support these kind of restrictions? Or are we just at a stage where they're so concerned about community transmission that they have to start shutting things down? And Greg mentioned at 7.15 the idea that when you're in a restaurant, you might be expanding your bubble, right? You might be there with more people than you normally would be in and around your home. Or you might go to restaurants four times a week with four different groups of people. Well, they're, then your circle just became way too big in terms of transmission. So that might be part of the equation here. But at the very least, I think the question that needs to be asked, and we talked about leadership today and the fact that we hadn't heard from Brian Pallister or any of our elected officials uh, since these new restrictions were announced on Friday, at least someone should be answering about what can be done for support. And yes, I know they're going to say, listen, we need to get the situation under control first. This is about health first, and then we'll talk finances. But back in the spring, they did both. They talked health and and bottom line almost every single day on Broadway and so I think people have a right to be asking those questions now and do you think too that this that fatigue we're all feeling fatigue as it pertains to this and maybe our leaders are just feeling that same fatigue and they're also maybe wondering how how are we going to afford this yeah I think that's you know that has to be part of it there can't be bailout after bailout for month after month and year after year and you know it got. It, it reminds me of this meme or a post I saw going around yesterday from someone who worked in healthcare, Brett, and they basically wrote to say, "We're not the frontline workers. We're not the frontline anymore. People in the hospitals aren't the frontline. You Manitobans are the frontline. You need to start protecting your hospitals and your healthcare workers." And I thought that was a good point because you can't keep going down this road week after week with different levels of restrictions and hope to gain anything. So there's some personal responsibility too. And well, uh, one of our uh, colleagues, Skylar Peters, tweeted over the weekend. He wanted to, he was asking aloud, what is the protocol uh, to basically rat someone out as one of my, one of our, my, my buddies put it, the rat squad. How do you get a hold of the rat squad? Because my neighbor's having a party right now, a Halloween party. And A, that's bad. And B, I'd just like to get some sleep. Mm-hmm. So, and another thing I saw on social media, uh, I can't, not sure if it was a meme, but it was something along the lines of what happens when you mix up uh, 
A messed up Halloween with increasing COVID counts, hospitals at or nearing capacity, financial uncertainty, election stress, by the way, big election tomorrow, LOL, uh, general depression and anxiety. Oh, and seasonal depression and anxiety too. The answer, I don't know, but we're about to find out, I guess. So. Wow, that's not. Think about this. You just mentioned the election there. I had put that in our calendar for today, you know, weeks ago. Reminder, U.S. election tomorrow, because the assumption was that would be the big story of the week. And here we are, right? Uh, yes, for sure. All eyes are on that. But really, COVID and conversations around it have taken over. And we have requests out this morning to speak with folks from different mental health associations, because while we go through these rounds of restrictions and part of me wonders if this is perhaps why they weren't super strict on the gathering is that there is also a mental health balance to be had here and we know the stresses on people's mental health right now are higher potentially than they've ever been before where do they go from here yeah like for, what, are, what happens if for example you're, you're you're dating somebody right you don't live with that person you're just dating them and so if they if the, the province were to say no more socializing outside the household would that include that kind of a situation? That would be horrible. Like, I'm single, and I was just getting ready to, di- to dip my toe back into the dating water, and now I need to pull it back out of the water again. And uh, I saw somebody post a meme on the weekend about dating in 2020, and it was a football player who uh, intercepted a ball or something, was running all the way up the field, and it said January, February, and got to, like, the 20-yard line, and then it was March, April, May, June, July, because he fell. And it didn't make it into the end zone. And that's what dating in 2020 is like for many of us. But uh, that would be an awful situation if you're in a new relationship or in a relationship with somebody you didn't, you don't live with. And then we're told, no, you can't. So, yes, the point is mental health. This has been hard and it's only going to get harder because now summer's over. We're entering the cold months. We're in into November, which is my least favorite month in the calendar, by the way. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I know that there's an important day that happens in November, Remembrance Day. And uh, when I went by the legislature this morning, they had uh, the image of a poppy projected onto the, the building and it looked beautiful. So, yes, that's important. But November sucks. It's this dead zone between Halloween and Christmas. It's no fun. It's cold. It's still not pretty outside because there's no snow on the ground and uh it's going to be hard for a lot of people so i get it it's a tricky balance that they have to strike Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we did put in a request this morning to speak with premier brian pallister loren he was unavailable but we do have someone else on the line we want to speak to right now yeah, we're joined by Wab Canoe, leader of the NDP, and of course, leader of the official opposition in this province. Good morning, Wab. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for taking the time. Normally, we have a list of questions for various leaders, and they run a gamut of topics. But I think the big thing mm-hmm. on people's mind this morning is obviously COVID and where this could go next. And so, you know, we've been talking a lot about leadership uh, and what needs to be said and what needs to be done. It's easy for us uh, to sit here and say what we would do or what we mm-hmm. think should happen. What's your answer to this? What's the thing that needs to happen next in terms of the number one move that needs to be made to help get this under control? I think we need like a, a two-pronged approach, like a 1A, 1B, that includes a really strong healthcare response, but also a very, very uh, robust investment to help small businesses. So on the healthcare side, we know that the personal care homes are really struggling. Many of them are in crisis. Unfortunately, we're seeing way too many seniors uh, who are being impacted there. And um, it's had uh, a situation where, where lives are on the line. And so we need the province to step in and take over those personal care homes where the outbreaks are out of control. We also need a really strong response for the hospitals like Victoria and St. B that are seeing outbreaks. And at this point, you know, I want the province to step in because they have the staffing and the resources and uh, the expertise to be able to try and uh, straighten these outbreaks out. But at the same time, as you and I and everybody in the Winnipeg metro region is being asked to stop socializing outside of our households, and we got the code red conditions coming in as of uh, midnight last night, we know that there's going to be a big impact on small businesses in particular, businesses generally speaking as well. And so I want to see a really strong program to help these businesses be able to make it through what is going to be a big hit on them. We've been talking to those businesses that have been closed for the past two weeks, the um, King's Head, the Pyramid Cabaret, places like that. They're in a world of pain. And what they're feeling already 
a whole bunch more, maybe hundreds, even thousands of other businesses are going to be feeling uh, a few weeks from now. And so well, we I'm need so- that direct financial assistance. Sorry, I just want to jump in because you mentioned you want the, the both the province to step in on the personal care homes, which I know you brought up before, but also mm-hmm. to step in with staff for the hospitals. What do you mean by that? What staff do you think they have that can go in and help Victoria and St. Boniface when they're all sort of in the same boat right now? Where, well, what, what extra the, personnel are we talking about? The province could redeploy people from other sites. Right now, um, you know, the big challenge around staffing is twofold. One, we have the long-term staffing issues. You know, there's been too many positions left vacant over the past uh, couple years, which which meant that these places were already starting from behind the eight ball, if you will. But then recently, once COVID came in, we've seen many, many healthcare workers sent home to self-isolate, in some cases because they have COVID, in other cases just because they've been exposed and they're waiting for a test. So those two sites that I mentioned in particular are operating shorthanded. And what the province can do that an individual uh, hospital can't is that they can redeploy people from uh, other sites. At this point, you know, the province really should be doing everything in its, uh, in its uh, power to not only ensure that there's staffing to, ad- to adequately provide for the normal operations of these hospitals, but we should also be increasing the ICU bed capacity the uh, intensive care unit bed capacity. Because as we heard from uh, Dr. Rusin and Lynette Siragusa last week, when the ICU beds get full, that's really what moves us into the higher restrictions, the higher, you know, getting closer to that lockdown state of restrictions. So the more investments we see in opening up ICU beds right now and adding capacity for critical care, the more that that helps the rest of us uh, be able to have uh, a little bit closer to normal when it comes to our uh, day-to-day lives. Wabi well, mentioned the province is strongly encouraging Manitobans, particularly in Winnipeg, to stay home and not socialize outside the household, but they also pointed out that it's unrealistic to enforce. But do you think they should be a bit more stern and mandate it? I do. You know, right now, I think it just confuses the message when you have well, here's the recommendation, but here's the actual rule that we're going to be enforcing. I think we all know that the enforcement capability, it isn't there right now, unfortunately. And if they don't have the ability to enforce something, then I think all they're doing by putting out two messages is potentially causing some confusion for people. And I recognize that this is another big sacrifice that people are being asked to make. But I would just encourage people to to think about this You know, this is not a stop sign that's holding you or I back from doing the things that we normally would. We should think about it as like the red heart, you know, the act of love for our community. Let's think about it as the red on the poppy, you know, that we wear this month to honor the the war veterans who made a tremendous sacrifice for us. We're being asked to make a different kind of sacrifice now. Definitely, it's a little bit different than the veterans were asked to make. But it's the same idea of us doing something together against a common foe for our community to be able to come out the other side a little bit better off. And so I think the government can support that shared sacrifice by stepping up and matching your commitment as a Manitoban, the commitment you're showing by staying in and maybe, you know, stocking up on groceries, etc. The province can match your commitment by helping out small businesses with that direct financial assistance. And of course, by just throwing everything we have at the healthcare system to try and strengthen that capacity so that our hospitals don't get overrun uh, as people tend to get sick. Like we we had well, more than 1,100 cases over the weekend, right? So those folks are going to get sick over the next few weeks. We need to have the capacity there to treat them. Wab Canoe, leader of the official opposition, leader of the NDP here in Manitoba. Thank you for the time. Thanks so much. So we have a number of benchmarks throughout the week on the start. Tuesdays at 7.35, it's Breakfast with the Bombers. Wednesday at 8.35, Hal Anderson joins us for a weekly visit. Thursdays at 7.35, the Small Town Salute. And Fridays at 7.35, the Couch Potatoes. And at 9.05, Gab with Gabby, Gabrielle Marchand from Global News Morning. But it occurred to us, we don't have any regular guests on Mondays. So that brings us... 
to now. Now we do, I guess. Is that the short answer for this, Brett? Now we do have a regular guest going forward. We're going to welcome on our favorite, uh, Bob Irving, my personal favorite. I'm just going to say that to butter you up, Bob. Good morning. Good morning, you guys. Boy, you must be, it must be a slow day if you're having me on on a regular basis. <laughs> I actually have to tell you, Bob, my mom was uh, listening in the other day, and she doesn't live here anymore. And she, after you came on to talk with us a few weeks ago with the Breakfast with the Bombers, she said, boy, that guy's really great. He must really know what he's doing. It sounds like, has he been there for a while? <laughs> well, <laughs> it was the cutest you, tell, thing. Tell your mom I love it. I don't know if I know what I'm doing, but uh, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's been here for a while. I think we're we're coming up well past four decades. So anyway, Bob, one of the things we wanted to ask you about this morning was about one of your tweets from the weekend. And you had tweeted out, I always viewed Bobby Orr and Jack Nicholas as beacons of character, decency, integrity, and compassion. That they would go out of their way to publicly endorse a man who shares none of those qualities is a mystery to me and disappointing beyond words. Just for those who aren't in the know about what might have been the background for that tweet, what prompted it? Well, last week, Bobby Orr and Jack Nicholas, two uh, sports icons in Nicholas Moore in the U.S., but uh, Bobby Orr, a Canadian sports icon, although he's lived in the U.S. now for most of his adult life, uh, both issued statements in support of Donald Trump in the upcoming U.S. election. And I was, I can't say I was surprised with Nicholas because I know that. you know, he spent some time with Trump and around Trump, but uh, the Bobby Orr one surprised me a little bit. And I, I think the tweet that I put out kind of speaks for itself. The four words I used were character, decency, integrity, and compassion. Um, and that they would support a man who, in my opinion, has none of those qualities was very surprising. And boy, the backlash against Orr across the country was very, very sudden, at least from people in the sports world. Uh, There are five prominent uh, sports columnists in the country. A couple of them retired. The others are still active, who within 48 hours of this uh, wrote pieces where they just tore a strip off Bobby Orr. Um, And, you know, I think that kind of speaks for itself. And I I probably shouldn't get too deeply into the politics of it. Uh, I I put that tweet out and I've had about 98% favorable response and some people telling me that I'm a sports journalist and I should stay in in my lane and not comment on politics. And, you know, everybody's opinion on this is fair enough, but uh, I guess my views on Donald Trump are are pretty well known uh, by that tweet. So I I don't know. It just, I, I find it disappointing. And athletes, I guess if they they feel so inclined, should you know come out and make a political statement. Although most of them don't, um, and particularly in Canada. And again, as I say, Bobby Orr has not lived here for a long time. But I think the way Canadians, a lot of them anyway, uh, the way they view Bobby Orr now is is a little bit different. And uh, so you know that's what my tweet was about. And I guess it would have been easy to just sort of stay quiet and not get involved in this. But I've followed American politics quite closely now in the last few years. I think most of us have to a degree, some more than others. Uh, And uh, I'm just uh, repulsed by some of the things that go on down there. And, And I just, it bothered me that Bobby Orr and Jack Nicholas would go out of their way. And I guess Orr took a full page ad in a newspaper out in support of Donald Trump. So I I don't know. I just expressed my views on that, and I'll leave it there. Now, this past weekend, the Blue Bombers would have played their final game of the regular season in Montreal versus the Alouettes. Uh, Still stings for many fans, players, and I suspect broadcasters, too. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Blue Bomber defensive back Nick Taylor as we launch into three consecutive breakfasts with the Bombers, which coincide with the one-year anniversaries of the Western semifinal win in Calgary on November 10th, the Western final victory in Saskatchewan on November 17th, and, of course, the anniversary of the Blue Bombers' first Grey Cup championship in 29 seasons on the 24th. And we decided to speak with uh, Nick Taylor tomorrow because I think... You know, we think that he was a key piece of the championship puzzle for the Bombers. You know, he got into the lineup for the final four regular season games and through the playoffs. So maybe just talk about him and the alterations the Bloom Gold made to their defense late last season. Well, he and Mercy Maston were two of the key guys, Brett, that uh, that changed their defensive secondary around and, and made their defense, I think, a little more cohesive and a little stronger and they both played a, a key role in the turnaround i've been tracking the what would have been the bomber schedule for this year and yes they'd have been in montreal this past weekend 
And uh, today we'd be getting ready to do our latest uh, coaches show with Mike O'Shea tonight, talking about either a semifinal game coming up this weekend or a bye into the final the following weekend, depending on where the Bombers had finished up. So, But those players you talked about uh, were all part of that remarkable turnaround at the end of last year. And, of course, Zach Kolaris played a huge role in that as well. So, yeah, I'm thinking about that, uh, and I have been thinking about it all along, where the Bombers would have been, how they might have been doing, and would they have finished first and hosted a West final game and all those things. It's uh, it's hard not to think about those when you do what I do and you're missing the season as much as I am. Yeah, missing a lot of things right now. We've got no CFL. It's hard to believe it's even been a year, Bob, since we took yeah. that road to the Grey Cup. No NHL. So uh, what are you watching? What's what's doing it for you, so to speak, at this time when there's so little on the airways coming to sports? Do you know what Crokinole is? You do. Crokinole, yes, I love Crokinole. <laughs> All right, so yesterday we dragged out our Crokinole board, yes. my grandson and I and, and my daughter, we had uh, – a crokinole tournament. I think most people know what crokinole is. Maybe some don't. But so we we hauled out the crokinole board. You know what I've been watching? Aside from sport, of course, I've gotten into Seinfeld reruns in a big way. And you know what <laughs> it's I not find? So bad. I, yeah, no, I find that there's a lot of troubling things going on. You know, with COVID and the stuff in the U.S. and all the rest of it. The way to kind of remove yourself from all of that reality is to watch Seinfeld, the show about nothing, right? And it's just so soothing to me to watch that show and to laugh. And every time Kramer busts through the door and shuffles into the room, I just break out laughing. I did when the series was on originally, and I do now. And I, and you can find them just about anywhere. Hit your TV guide, and you'll find a Seinfeld rerun somewhere. So I've been watching a lot of those, and I find they're, they're very calming at night when you go to bed. I just watch for a while. I laugh. One night last week, my wife came in and said, what are you laughing about? And I said, I'm just watching Seinfeld. <laughs> And it's really funny, you know, and it's so many years after it, it first hit the air. But I don't know. I just I get a kick out of it. So there you go. I'm watching Seinfeld reruns. Well, Can I, I, so go ahead, Loren. I just wanted to add the thing about Cronocle. That's where you flick at the little kind of chess, not chess, uh, checkers type pieces into sort of the circle, right? In the middle? Yeah, cr- crokinole. Crokinole. crokinole and, sorry. So there's little round discs that you flick with yeah. your finger and try to knock the other guy's disc off the board, and there's a hole in the middle, and if you can knock it in there, you get 20 points, and then there's 15, 10, 5, and yeah, it goes back to my childhood. I don't know how old it is. It's probably been around forever, and it probably, I don't know if you could buy a crokinole board now if you wanted to or not. I've never seen one, but... uh, Oh, sure you can. Can you? Okay, cool. Yeah, so anyway, we had fun doing that. We played some Parcheesi on the weekend, too, which is another... Time war, an old game, but, you know, it, it stands the test of time. So I think we're all just looking for things to do, uh, and we're finding some. Well, I, I have some follow-up questions on the Crokinole board, uh, Bob, because this is <laughs> – I love Crokinole. It is a wonderful game. The World Crokinole Championship, by the way, uh, takes place in Tavistock, Ontario. Ooh. But uh, are you – okay, do you, when you flick the discs, do you use your middle finger or your index finger? That's oh, I use one. my middle finger, and I'd be a contender for the World Crokinole Championship. There's no doubt about it. I have a manager and a masseuse and all the rest of it, and, and I'm really good at it. I mean, I, I'm trying to be humble here, but I am really good at Crokinole, although I, I, I edged my grandson in the final of the championship uh, tournament yesterday. But, yeah, if I went to the World Crokinole Championship, I would be a force to be reckoned with, no doubt about it. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, I need to challenge. Then I am challenging you. On okay. the, I am challenging you to a game of Crokinole once this is all said and done because I love playing Crokinole. And secondly, are you like a gentle when you flick? Is it like a gentle or are you like a, like an aggressive, like where you really torque it back Shoot and it then bang? The yeah, I like to slam them. But, you know, I can play the finesse game, too. You're on, McGarry. You're on. <laughs> uh, you know, I can play whatever game you whatever game you bring. I'll take you on. I love it. I have to say the last time I played this, just this summer with my kids, my finger was sore. So that's just a sad statement of my athleticism right now. Well, hey, it does, if, especially the nail, right? If you're too aggressive with those discs, you can really hurt your fingernail. So you got to be careful. It's all a matter of technique. You know, you just have to know what you're doing. And uh, I've become something of an expert at it, really, you know. <laughs> Bob Irving, he's an expert on many things. Joining us live on CJOB will be a regular segment now, Mondays at 835. Bob, thank you so much for this. This Okay, you guys have a great day. It is 847 on 680 CJOB. Uh, Bob Irving and Crokinole. Look at that.
All right. Some might know it as well as peach nut. I believe uh, oh. Frank, I think there's a different version, and I think that's popular in Manitoba's uh, French community. And I could correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I, I went to school at Red River with somebody who said, Oh, is that like Peach Nut? And uh, she started to go on about how she played it's, it. looks like a bit of a different game, but very similar too. So, and yeah, I never, I never tried Croca Curl at the Forks. Remember that thing that they built at the Forks? Yes, and that was awesome. Yeah. I also was terrible at that, but enjoyable. <laughs> oh, you tried it at least, though. Oh, yeah. Ah. I, I, you have to wait, though, because that's a highly coveted spot at the Forks. And so you're kind of doing that weird skulking thing, you know, just waiting for <laughs> someone to put down the rock. You're kind of roaming around like, and you move in. Oh, no, they're not done. Step back. Oh, move in. Step back. <laughs> so you don't always get to play when you go, but you can watch at the very least. Well, I wonder if we'll even have Croca Curl at the Forks this mm. year. We'll find out Great in a question. couple of months, I guess. got to give away some pizza based on your texts at 204-780-6868 Santa Lucia Pizza. We're asking you who your favorite leaders are, whether it's a real person or just someone fictitious like Tim who says Captain Picard from Star Trek, of course. Captain Picard is a great leader. His compassion, his ethics and moral code should be envied by North American political leadership. LOL. Picard for president. LOL. Is it sad I had to Google that? (laughs) No, not <laughs> oh, I sad. I felt terrible as soon as it came up. I was like, right, yes, got it. Pop culture, on it. Well, that's why I had to throw in from Star Trek, the next yeah. generation, because the name Captain Picard, you know, Jean-Luc Picard might not yeah. stand out as something. I was thinking that... some sort of French Revolution or something like that. But no. And this was a great text from Todd, who wrote in to say, when I think about great leaders, my great-grandmother definitely fits that bill. She was the matriarch of her whole family, had a huge house, took care of eight adult boarders that lived in the house because they needed someone to give them their medication and feed them on top of that all her grandkids were coming in and out and living in the basement for a time and also being fed she did this until she was 78 and suffered the stroke and could no longer take care of everyone but at any given time 10 to 12 people would be in the house she'd feed them three meals a day working in a kitchen that was the size of a small walk-in closet she could barely squeeze into todd says she was definitely the most amazing woman i've ever met and I'm so sorry she's not with us anymore. That is a tough one to call our runner-up. But Sharon um, sent us this text, and we wanted to share this. This is our winning text. Sharon says, my mother was my biggest leader. She died in August in another province. Because of COVID, I not only did not get to see her, I couldn't attend the funeral. She had nine children whom she raised as a single parent after the ninth was born. She'd take in anyone who needed a meal, bed, or clothes. Sometimes we'd have 15 kids at the table. She could very well have been a CEO of a large corporation with the way she led. We all turned out okay, so she definitely did something right. So, Sharon, thank you so much for sharing that story. Uh, Thanks to to everybody who shared their stories. Todd, great story. Sharon, wonderful story. And uh, we are going to give Sharon the Santa Lucia pizza. Nine kids. That just oh. thinking about that gives me anxiety. I don't know how people like parents are the real superheroes of uh, planet Earth. I think sometimes I always, I, I, you might have heard me muttering this before, Brett, because there was four kids in my family. So my mom and dad raised four kids, and whenever I'm having a tough time, I'll be like, "Mom had four. Mom had four. Mom had four. Mom had four. You know, like I can't do two. Mom had four. Mom had four. Mom had four. And I'll just be in the grocery store, you know, wrangling them in and thinking, like, how did she have four kids hanging off this shopping cart? I've got two. And I'm like, where are you going? Go stop grabbing that. No, you cannot have more treats. Like, I, God bless them. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.